a meditation for Ash Wednesday of 2020, the unfairness doctrine versus the faith doctrine of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 18, verses 25 through 32 in the New King James Version. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, O house of Israel, is it not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity with which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive. Because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair, and your ways which are not fair? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent, and turn from your all your transgressions, so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. My Christian friends, in the United States, the fairness doctrine is that which imposes responsibilities on a broadcaster to provide coverage of issues of public importance that is adequate and fairly reflects differing viewpoints. In fulfilling its fairness doctrine obligations, a broadcaster must provide free time for the presentation of opposing views if a paid sponsor is unavailable and must initiate programming on public issues if no one else seeks to do so. In August of 1987, the Federal Communications Commission abolished the doctrine by a 4-0 to zero vote, intending to extend to radio and television the same First Amendment protections guaranteed to the print media. Congress had tried to stop the commission from killing the fairness doctrine. Two months earlier, it had sent President Reagan the Fairness in Broadcasting Act of 1987, which would have codified the doctrine in federal law. The president vetoed it. However, President Reagan's veto of the 1987 congressional bill to establish the fairness doctrine as law did not end the controversy. Determining, friends, what is fair and unfair in the law of justice might be complicated for man, but it is an easy thing for God who simply will not mitigate certain, certain matters. God simply says, if you sin, you will die. Man says, but I am only human and not perfect. God says, be holy as I, your God, am holy. Man says, but God would not demand the impossible. 
that would be unfair. The sinner, think, uh, the sinner thinks that he can uh, never attain a saving state of grace if he continues to sin after turning from his sins. The sinner believes that he cannot be in a state of grace if he doesn't correct and do penance for his sins, or when the sinner succeeds from turning from his sin and now feels that he is made righteous by the fact that he abstains from any particular sin for any particular time, especially in this time of Lent. Now, with these issues, you have two main misuses of God's word back that is found in Israel's biblical time and even in today's modern Christianity. God says to Israel in verse 32, turn and live. But just because God says to do this, doesn't mean that you are capable of such an action of converting yourself. If that were true, then Israel wouldn't need the Messiah, and neither would you. The premise, the main premise of Luther's bondage of the will is, grammatically speaking, a subjunctive doesn't prove an indicative. Now, this is an example such as, if you do all the things commanded in the law, you will live. Now, you can compare that with uh, what the certain lawyer tested Jesus with in uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 27, with these words, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But here is a direct answer in the Old Testament as to the truth about what the law promises. I want you to take some time to meditate on what is written in 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 4 through 7. Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if, uh, if you or your sons at any at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house which I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. Friends, this Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament covenants were all conditional with the exception of the unilateral uh, covenant made with Abraham, who was the father of faith in Genesis chapter 15. Yes, it is faith that is missing, and yet even King David had faith in the coming Messiah to give him his righteousness. Otherwise, the word of God would indeed have been very unfair. But you must have the correct definition of faith and not have it bastardized by the people that are now standing in pulpits around our country and by the very leaders of our country so that you may come to know 
what true contrition is. A man must be justified if he is to see life forever with the Lord and not see eternal death. Justification is therefore simply the forgiveness of sins in making the unregenerate man regenerate. With that simple definition that we have in our confessions, it is easy to define faith. Remember what the Lord spoke through the prophet Ezekiel? Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? And just where is one to find this new heart and new spirit? To have a better understanding of this mysterious saying of Ezekiel, who prophesied in the Babylonian exile, you have the contemporary of Ezekiel, Jeremiah, commonly known the prophet of doom or the weeping prophet, through whom the Lord spoke these words. Behold, and that one word uh, can actually be a sermon within itself. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Hence, this new covenant or new testament is realized in the forgiveness of sins, which requires faith. The destruction, the destruction of faith that justifies man and gives him the Holy Spirit has been well planned both in our earthly government as well as in our earthly churches. How can people ever turn from their sins if they do not believe anymore in God who sees the heart and knows all? They can't. How will people ever be converted to have faith in Jesus, who alone is able to save, when they believe that within earthly government they already have a Savior? Well, they won't. And how will an entire generation of youth ever know of the one true religion if their Christian pastors no longer teach and preach God's law and God's gospel? They won't. Why should anyone be born again? literally born from above, as Jesus told Nicodemus, when they are told they are already righteous because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Can one truly repent and live without faith or even prior to faith? Just so, the apology to the Augsburg uh, Confession, Article uh, 4, rightly says, Now we shall show that faith justifies. First of all, we would remind the readers that just as it is necessary to uphold the proposition that Christ is the mediator, so it is necessary to maintain that faith justifies. For how will Christ be the mediator if we do not use him as a mediator in justification, and if we do not realize that on his account we are regarded as righteous? This Lent, you should not try, out of, out of uh, just tradition, to give up something, but rather to get something done. Lent should be a season of faith. Turn and live. 
Repent and believe in the gospel as Jesus himself preached when he began his ministry in Galilee. Then begin to live the sanctified life created for you in love toward God and love toward your neighbor. For the namesake of our little congregation, Augsburg Lutheran Church, I wish to remind you of the basis of justification Namely, that which is written in the Augsburg Confession, again, Article 4, concerning justification. Quote, Furthermore, it is taught that we cannot obtain forgiveness of sin and righteousness before God through our merit, work, or satisfactions, but that we receive forgiveness of sin and become righteous before God out of grace for Christ's sake through faith when we believe that Christ has suffered for us and that for his sake our sin is forgiven and righteousness and eternal life are given to us. For God will regard and reckon this faith as righteousness in his sight as St. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, 21 through 26, and in Romans chapter 4, verse 5. The word Lent itself means spring. The concept is that you die with Christ like the seed in the ground and rise with him to more abundant life, as Jesus says in John 12, 24, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. You die to sin, along with Jesus, who was without sin, and then rise to a newness of life in your baptism. You die to selfishness and rise to generosity toward your neighbor. You do what you do for the poor out of love and not out of the compulsion of taxation, which is nothing other than robbing from one person who worked for his harvest and give it to another person that did not work. Things like fasting or giving up something is not the most important thing to do this Lent. But if you think you need to give up something during Lent, then let it be whatever stops you from doing that which our Lord has shown you to do in loving him by loving your neighbor. Oh, friends, if you don't know the meaning of the word Lent, then learn this one thing. Lent means spring. There is even a flower. Actually, it's a bush that's called the Lenten rose. It only flourishes and blossoms between February and April. You have the rest of March to flourish and then in April to blossom along with Christ in your own Easter resurrection from the dead. Should we not learn anything from such a little flower? Amen.